0: Hey, uh, my name's Steve. I'm the campus pastor here. When you walked in, hopefully you received our worship program. Uh, on the back is our connection card. We'd love for you to fill that out. You can drop it in the offering when it comes by here in a minute. Uh, or if you're a guest or visitor, we have a gift for you for being here. And so if you'll take this when you're done, uh, when our service is over, just out to the info InfoHub, uh, we've got a gift uh, that involves chocolate we want to give you and maybe something else too. So uh, if you're a chocolate person or even if you're not, maybe if you're a coffee person, you could go get one of those uh, this week. That's just our gift for you being here today. Hey, uh, we're starting this six-week series called Follow Me Today. And as we do that, uh, it's going to lead uh, to a time of baptism coming up in just a few weeks on March the 9th. Uh, We're going to do baptisms at both of our services on Sunday, March the 9th, 9.30 and 11.15. If that's something you've thought about, like you've uh, accepted Jesus's lordship in your life. You know, you've, you've uh, submitted your life to him, but you've never made a public proclamation of that through baptism. Uh, right here in front of me on March the 9th, we're gonna do that over two services. So we'd love for you to sign up for that. If you've got questions about that, you don't know what baptism is all about, you want to find out what Genesis believes about that, we have a Q&A session coming up on uh, March the 2nd. That's two weeks from today, I think, uh, in the living room, just across the hall from here during our 1115 service. And so you can sign up for that on the connection card as well. Uh, the other thing is, if you've got kids that are thinking about being baptized, uh, we have a class called Dive, which is coming up on that same day on March the 2nd in two weeks uh, at 1045 between our services for third to fifth graders. You don't have to remember that. It's all in your worship program. I'm just pointing it out for your uh, attention. The other thing I want to talk to you about is, uh, first of all, if you're a volunteer at our church, thank you so much. Uh, we uh, do a lot at our church, but across but we have two campuses, Noblesville and Carmel, across our two campuses. We only have 11 full-time staff that uh, try to do everything to keep this church running, but it's you guys who really do it. And we don't get to say thank you enough to our volunteers, but once a year we want to do that in a big way. And so that's coming up with our big event on February the 28th. This is on a Friday night. Uh, our theme this year is winter prom, and that means there's going to be dancing. Uh, If you're a Baptist and that makes you uncomfortable, uh, come anyway. It's going to be a great time. We like to cut loose as a church and have a lot of fun. It's going to be a great night. There's going to be worship. Uh, There's going to be a great uh, couple of surprises, thank you surprises that you won't want to miss. You'll learn, for instance, that all of your staff members are fallible and uh, we all fall short of the glory of God. through a video that we're showing, and also uh, there's going to be a great time and laughter. If you come at 530, if you've got kids, drop them off at the church at 530. Just like when you went to prom, uh, go out to dinner. Have a nice dinner. Uh, hopefully you didn't have kids when you were, went to prom, but maybe you did. But uh, drop your kids off, go out to a nice dinner uh, with your sweetheart, or with a bunch of friends, and then come back at 7 o'clock to our Noblesville campus uh, for the start of the formal festivities. It's going to be a great time. But we need you to sign up. We need to know how many people are going to be there. So you can do that on your connection card or at genesischurch.me. We are going to do that because we like to celebrate as a church. We celebrate baptisms. We celebrate being together. We also get a ch- chance to celebrate giving back to the Lord. And we're going to do that right now. I'm going to invite our host team to come forward, and they're going to take up our offering. So I realized this week, as I was preparing my message, that um, the first thing I almost always say to you guys when I stand up here is, "Hey, my name's Steve Wallen. I'm the pastor here. I'm the campus pastor here, and I don't, don't have any reservations about doing that because I know that when people come to a church, they want to know uh, who's in charge. You know, what do you? If you work here, what do you do? Uh, why are you? Why are you talking to me right now? And so I don't have any reservations with telling you that I'm a pastor. But there are a lot of circumstances I have to tell you where I don't really lead with that, as you can imagine. Um, I, uh, you're probably like that too. If you're, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, that's probably not the first thing you tell people uh, when you meet them, right? But uh, maybe it is. But for a lot of people, it's not. And for me, uh, having what I do tied up in what I believe uh, presents some problems. And so I don't always lead with I'm a pastor. I'll give you an example. I was out a couple weeks ago. We had a little warm spell, and uh, some of our neighbors were out in their driveway talking, and I, went, I decided to go uh, be part of that conversation. And so I went down, and we were talking about some things, and um, my, one of my neighbors was telling a story. And uh, in the midst of the story, he let out a word that, well, that we don't usually use in church, <laughs> okay? Um, it was a word that I don't personally use, but I've heard before. And uh, I could tell when I saw him say it, that as he was speaking this word, he was trying to pull it back into his mouth. Okay. You know the situation I'm talking about. And so when he said this word, um, he looked at me because he knows what I do. He looked at me with fear in his eyes, almost like his car was about to ram into a building. And he went like this, (gasps) sorry, sorry. It was as if, you know, that I'd never heard that word before, you know. And so, uh, but he was afraid to say it because he knows what I do. And so, I have a lot of situations that I put myself in where I'm around people who aren't believers. Uh, For instance, I run. Um, That's one of my things I love to do. And I like to run in situations and races and with teams that have a lot of non believers on them. And so, uh, of course, when you get to know new people, almost one of the first questions they always ask is, What do you do? And so, without lying, I'll try to tell them, well, I'm a speaker, I'm a public speaker, or I'm a writer, or I'm a teacher, I'll say something like that so that I can uh, carry on the conversation maybe without drawing attention uh, to my faith. And I do that because of the very reason I was talking about with my neighbor, and you guys probably know this too, if you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, when people start talking to you, if they know you're a Christian, they, they act different around you, don't they? Uh, And and I don't want people to act differently around me, especially as I'm getting to know them. I want to know who people are. But a lot of people have this opinion of Christians that that we're judgmental people, right? And that's because um, you can make the word Christian mean whatever you want. And so if you are a, a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, you may have a very good opinion of Christians. You may think that they're loving people, that they're caring people, they care about their neighbors, that they're very moral people, people with high standards and high morals. You may think uh, when you hear the word Christian, there's people who don't drink or smoke or cuss or uh, do anything like that. Maybe you think of Christians as people who have their lives all put together. You see people that believe uh, what, you know, what you believe and they seem to all have their life put together. But, uh, but maybe you're here and you're not a Christian and you have very negative connotation with the word Christian. Maybe you think Christians are judgmental. You know, maybe you think uh, they're, they're hypocritical. We're all hypocrites. Uh, maybe you think they're narrow-minded. You know, and so what about political positions? We see this all over the news. Um, There are Christians in every conceivable political position. There range the spectrum from pro-life to pro-abortion, pro-choice, from anti-gay to pro-gay marriage, from pro-war to anti-war, you know, from uh, build bigger prisons to pro-social justice. Christians are all over the map. I mean, we live in a day and age and in a country, quite honestly, where it costs almost nothing to identify yourself as a Christian. In fact, did you know that uh, recent research indicates that still 80% of Americans would identify themselves as a Christian? These are people who are self-identifying. But that same research shows that the lifestyles of these self-identified Christians look no different. Uh, in many ways, from the lifestyles of non-Christians. They don't have a better divorce rates. They don't have um, better giving and uh, uh, charitable giving. Um, they don't have lesser drug use. Or, uh, and, and a wide spectrum of issues, Christians' lives, people who call themselves Christians, look much the same as non-Christians. And so here's the thing. We can make the word Christian mean whatever we want it to mean. You know, in fact, Jesus never called us to be Christians. In fact, that word is only used a couple times in the Bible and it's always used by people outside of the church talking about people inside of the church. Uh, The problem with Christian is we can contort it to mean whatever we want it to mean. And so Jesus never invites us to become a Christian. In fact, if you study the life and ministry of Jesus, what you'll see time after time again in the New Testament is he invites people to follow him. And so this is the question I think we should be asking every day, and every decision we make is this, am I following Jesus? Like when I make that decision, am I following Jesus down that path, or am I choosing my own path? You know, if, I, if I'm going to go that way, am I following Jesus that way, or is that just something I decided for myself? Let me tell you why this is so important. Um, I read this book about six months ago. There's a book called David Platt, uh, by David Platt called Follow Me, Um, and it was what got us thinking about this series. Uh, We're not going to go through the book as a church. We're not even going to require or recommend that you read the book, although it's there if you want uh, to go deeper in this, you want to learn more. uh, Follow Me by David Platt is a great uh, resource for that, but I want to tell you why this is so important. Uh, There's a passage of Scripture that he points to in the very first chapter that has been really messing with me over the past six months or so since I read this book. It's got me tangled up in knots. In fact, it's really the reason that we wanted to do this series as a church. And if you have your Bibles, it's in Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 21 through 23. But I'll put it on the screen. It says this. This is Jesus speaking, okay? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles, then I, Jesus, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This should bother us. I mean, If you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, this probably does bother you because it's probably one of the reasons you don't like Christians very much because we think we've got a monopoly on the truth. We're always pointing people to things like this and, and, and saying, hey, there's only one way, there's only one truth. And if, if you're in that camp and you're here today, I'm so glad you're here. And I hope you'll stick with us for six weeks. And I think that we're going to address that and we'll help you out with that. But if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, this should bother you anyway. Because this isn't um, heretics he's talking about. This, this isn't uh, uh, pagans. These are people who call Jesus Lord. That Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, many. That means that people in the church are going to come to that day and Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. People in our church are going to come to that day. Doesn't that bother you? And so for the next six weeks, we're going to be in this series called Follow Me. We're going to look at exactly what it means to follow Jesus. And today we're going to focus on just that very first part, that invitation by Jesus uh, to people to follow him. And we're going to look at one story that I think tells uh, a great deal about that invitation from Jesus. And it's in John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you might turn them there. We're going to look at this one particular example to see what it means. Uh, for Jesus to have this invitation to us to follow him. John 1, 35 is where we're going to start. We'll be in this story pretty much all morning. So if you've got your tablet or your phone and and you usually read the Bible on that, go ahead and pull that out. I won't judge you and think you're texting your friend. Uh, If you don't own a Bible, we have one for you at the Info Hub. We'd love to give you as a gift just for being here today. Uh, You can pick that up right now if you want or on your way out this morning. John 1, verse 35. It says, the next day, John, now, this is from. This is confusing. Okay, if you're not a Bible scholar, but this is in the book of John, uh, who was a disciple of Jesus. But this is not the John he's talking about. He's writing about John the Baptist. Okay, so John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. So there are two men that were following John the Baptist. John the Baptist was appointed by God to go point the way to Jesus. He came before Jesus, uh, and and this is what he does right here. He say when he saw Jesus, when John saw Jesus passing by, he said, "Look." The Lamb of God, all right? The Son of God, the child of God. Uh, There was some foreshadowing there too, but when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. All right? John, people are following him. John points the way to Jesus, and his disciples start following Jesus instead. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And here's what Jesus says, come, he replied, and you will see. And so they went where he was staying and they spent the day with him. Now I think this story is really a perfect place to start because it shows us some basic things that we can understand about this invitation from Jesus to follow him. All right. And these are three things that I've come up with. I'm sure there are more, but there are three in your notes in the back of your worship program if you want to follow along. Uh, And they're this. Number one is this. Jesus offers the invitation. All right. Jesus offers the invitation. It doesn't come from us. All right. Uh, you may think that you've been searching for something. You maybe think that you've been seeking and that's true. But before that, Jesus has been inviting you. All right. You, do, you may not even know what you believe about all this yet. Maybe you're here and you don't know what you think about Jesus, but Jesus is already in pursuit of you. All right. Now, um, this sometimes confuses people because it, makes people believe, you know, if Jesus is pursuing me, then I don't have a choice, right? I don't have free will. Is that what you're saying? Well, no, that's not what I'm saying. But, but look at it like this. If you've ever been to an airport, how many of you have been to an airport before? Almost everybody. Good. If you've ever been to an airport, if you've gotten off a plane and you'll see sometimes there'll be guys holding signs with a name on them, right? Have you ever seen that? Just nod your head if you're with me. Yeah. Okay. Good. A lot of you. So you see these people with a sign, they're holding somebody. Have you ever been tempted to like follow the guy with the sign and just say, I'm Mr. Smith, you know, or whatever. Um, I have, but I haven't done it. But anyway, you see the person with the sign. And what you know, if you're in that situation, say you get off an airplane and somebody tells you, there'll be somebody there waiting with a sign with your name on it. As soon as you get off the plane, you're looking for the person with the sign, right? But long before you got there, the guy with the sign was there looking for you. He was there pursuing you. He wanted to find you first. And so that's the same thing with Jesus. By the time you turn and you realize I'm ready to go look for something, what you'll find is that Jesus has been pursuing you all along. Well, how can you tell? Maybe you're in a situation where you don't feel like Jesus is pursuing you at all. How can you tell? Well, there's three ways I think you can tell. These are at the bottom of your notes if you want to write these down. But um, one, you may find there are some new people in your life. You know, maybe they're Christians. Uh, maybe it's a classmate or a coworker. maybe it's a, a neighbor who's been inviting you to church maybe you're here with them today you know just elbow them if you are maybe it's a longtime friend that you've just recently gotten reacquainted with either uh, through facebook or a class reunion or something but you notice something different about them like they're not the same person they were when you knew them back then they have a peace or a joy about them that you don't usually see They have different priorities than they had when you knew them before. They have different priorities than the other people you hang out with. Your your conversation with them seems different than your normal conversations. You know, they're they're deeper. They seem to genuinely care about you more than your other friends, even if they barely know you. Why? Why? Why do you think your paths have crossed? Well, could it be that Jesus is pursuing you? He has a divine appointment for you to meet with them. And one of the ways that Jesus pursues us, shows his pursuit for us, is by sending people in our lives to be Christ to us. Uh, Maybe for you, it's life circumstances. It's not new people, but it's your life circumstances that are changing all around you. Maybe some things have happened in your life that have you asking questions. Questions like, is this really all there is to life? You know, uh, it may be a negative experience, some challenge, a, a job loss, or a broken relationship, or a business that failed, or you know, physical or emotional issues. You know, you've come to the end of your rope and you're wondering what's going on here. I mean, one of the ways that Jesus pursues us is allowing us to come to that place where, where we're desperate. Like where if Jesus doesn't intercede, then something's not gonna go well. We, we need him there. We, he he uh, takes away everything else in hopes that we'll turn to him. Maybe for you, it's a positive experience. You've gotten that dream job. You've had the kids, you've bought the house, you've um, padded your retirement account, and you realize that there's not not really any peace or joy or contentment in that. You know, sometimes Jesus pursues us by allowing us to experience the things we think will bring us joy and then showing us that really true joy comes only from him. So maybe it's people, uh, maybe it's your life circumstances for you, maybe it's like you're changing you feel yourself changing on the inside. Maybe there are some circumstances or people, but maybe for you, something's happening inside of you. You, you find you're not, interest, not as interested in the things that you once were. Or, or you find that uh, one of the ways that Jesus uh, shows his pursuit of us is by increasing and decreasing our appetites, right? He wants to get us more interested in eternal things and less interested in material things, the things of this world. And so if you see any of those three things in your life, it could be proof that Jesus is pursuing you. But the truth is that Jesus always offers that invitation. He always initiates the invitation. Uh, The second thing about that invitation that we see from this story is this. The invitation is to a relationship, not to rules. One of the reasons that people have negative uh, characterizations of Christians is that we get very interested in the rules sometimes, uh, we are quick to call out somebody when we see them doing something we don't know is right. And I've got to tell you, social media makes this so easy that one Facebook post or one tweet about some celebrity's behavior, and all of a sudden you feel really good about yourself because you're better than they are, right? We're really excited when we see somebody's life change on the outside. If we see somebody walk away from a sin or or walk back into their marriage when they could have left or something like that, we get all excited and rah-rah about that. But We're all about behavior modification. But we very rarely care about what's happening on the inside of a person. We don't gauge that very well. We don't see how God is transforming somebody's heart. But look at the invitation that Jesus offers. Verse 39 again. Come, he replied, and you will see. You know, the truth is when these disciples asked Jesus where he was staying, he could have just told them. I'm at so-and-so's house or I'm in this town or whatever. But Jesus says, no, I want you to walk with me. And this is so hard for us because whether it's our coworkers or our neighbors or our people we love, it's really difficult, isn't it, not to try to modify their behavior. To say, you know what? I'd love to hang out with them more, but they do this. And I don't really believe in that. Instead of just saying, hey, you know what? Why don't you come over to my house? I want to talk to you about something. Something's been changing my life. I want you to see what I've been experiencing. I want you to see what God's been doing in my life. You know, come and see. Instead of a certain doctrine or dogma or a pattern of behavior, Jesus invites people to follow. Verse 43, for the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. It's a call from a person, Jesus, to be in a relationship with a person. That's what this call is. It's not a call to religion. When Jesus invites anyone, the invitation was to follow him, to walk with him. All right, Go where he goes. See what he sees. Spend time in his presence. He, he doesn't say clean up your act. He doesn't say follow the rules. You know, every rabbi in Jesus' day, and we've talked about this before, but every rabbi would have a set theology that they believed, a set of rules that they followed that they derived uh, from their scripture, which was the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And they would take the rules out that they kind of believed were the important ones. And they would set those, they would call that a yoke. It was a yoke, just like a yoke goes on an oxen pulling a cart, okay? They call that that rabbi's yoke. And the rabbis would walk from town to town, village to village, looking for students who believed in their particular yoke or could be convinced to believe in their particular yoke. And those were the students that followed the rabbi. And some of these rabbis had a really long list. You know, the really conservative guys had a really long list. But then Jesus comes along and he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, follow me. It's always about the relationship with Jesus. See, here's what Jesus understood that some of us get so wrong sometimes. Rules can never satisfy the relationship we desire. All of us have a hole inside of us that's longing for real relationship. And that's what Jesus was sent for to be in that relationship. And sometimes we try to fill it with whatever it is we believe instead of whoever it is that offers us truth. And in fact, did you know there was a group that tried to do this that was really big on this in Jesus's day? There was a group that they were called the Pharisees and they were always trying to replace that relationship with the rules, okay? And to earn favor with God by following the rules. In fact, in Matthew six, we see Jesus teaching against this. He says, uh, when you give, give in secret. Jesus says. He says, don't, don't give like the Pharisees do and make a big production out of it. He says, but give in secret. He says, uh, when you pray, don't worry about using big words to impress other people, but just get down on your knees and close the door and pray in private. The God of the universe will hear you. you know, you're know, you not trying to make a big production like the Pharisees do. He says, when you fast, don't contort your face so that you look sad, so that everybody knows what you're doing. He says, just, just go and fast and be joyful, but don't do like the Pharisees do. Don't make a production out of it. And then in John chapter 12, Jesus tells us why the Pharisees were like that. And this is, I have to tell you how much this grabbed me this week. said, for they, the Pharisees, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. I wonder how many of us, if we're honest, would say that about ourselves. I I love human praise. I love it when my wife tells me I did something well. Um, I, I love it when you guys, you know, say, I love the message today. But do I love that more than I love praise from God? There's a trap there. Jesus says, don't be like that. He says, follow me. Now, I'm not not saying that following Jesus should lead to an anything goes culture, all right? On the contrary, Jesus never ever in his earthly ministry never leaves anyone in their sin. He loves them in their sin, but he won't leave them in their sin. In fact, he sees what they're doing. He knows what their problems are and he loves them anyway. But then he always, always tells them, Now go and sin no more. In other words, he loves people just like they are, but he refuses to let them stay that way. He's like that with us too. Like our sin grieves God. Do you know that? Scripture tells us our sin grieves the Holy Spirit. It's hard to believe that I could do anything that would get God's attention enough to grieve him. But that's what scripture tells us. That's why Jesus is so interested in what our hearts are doing. He doesn't want to see our behavior change as much as he wants to see our hearts turn toward him. All right, and that leads us to the third point. The relationship leads to submission. In uh, verse 45, John 1, still, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now listen to Nathanael's response. Nazareth can anything good come from there? Now, Nathaniel's being a little facetious here, but I think you and I may know what that feels like. And especially if you're like me, I haven't been a Christian my whole life. I wasn't a Christian in high school or in college. So when I see somebody that I knew in high school or college, I always wonder what they think of me. Do you ever have that? Like I'm a different person than I was in high school. I am not who I was in high school. By God's grace, I am a new creation. And so when I see somebody that I knew in high school, I wonder, do they ever think, Steve, really? Could anything good come out of that guy? <laughs> do you wonder that? Or do you see people that you knew when you were in high school or college and think, nah, that guy's never going to amount to anything. That girl, she's she's never going to amount to anything and be surprised by seeing what happens. Well, Nathaniel's kind of like that. Nazareth, really? Can anything good come out of there? Come and see, Philip said. What a great call. Come and see. When Jesus saw, Nathanael, verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, so Nathanael just said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Jesus is gonna pay him a compliment, all right? He says, in here is an Israelite who's honest, right? Here's a guy that speaks the truth. In this guy, Nathaniel, there is no deceit. Well, this catches Nathanael off guard in verse 48. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Remember that very first verse we read in Matthew 7 where Jesus said, uh, many will come unto me in that day and I will say to you, I never knew you, right? The same word here. Nathanael said, how do you know me? Jesus knows him. How do you know me? Now listen to this. Jesus answered in verse 48. I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Jesus says, I've been pursuing you. I've been watching you. I know who you are. He says, long before you saw me and decided to follow me, I was pursuing you. Verse 49, then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. You know, this passage captures this incredible moment where Nathanael understands who Jesus is and submits to him as Lord. That, that relationship led to the submission. It looks here like Nathanael just falls at his feet, but what causes that? Well, we see Jesus has been pursuing him. Like there's a relationship there. It says, Jesus knew him. How do you know me? He asked. Well, see, Jesus has been pursuing him. He's been pursuing that relationship, and that relationship leads to submission. Now, submission is not a very popular word in our culture. Uh, We've taken it out of most of our wedding vows. Um, We don't talk about submission very much because we like to be in charge, uh, that's the American way, to be in charge of your destiny, right? To be in control of what's going to happen. If you are a sports fan, if you watch a football or a basketball team, when it gets close to crunch time, playoff time, uh, they always say, uh, you know, you want, your team wants to be in charge of their own destiny, right? And that means if I, as long as I win what I've got to win, as long as I do what I've got to do, as long as I perform how I've got to perform, I'm going to end up doing what I want to do. We like to be in control. Submission doesn't go with that. Submission is against the American way. But I want to tell you, there is so much power in submission. There is freedom in submitting to the right things. If you submit to follow Jesus, you don't ever have to make that decision again. When you get to that path and you say, I'm going to submit my life to Christ, there's going to be one path that leads toward him and one path that leads away from him. You don't have to make that decision. There is freedom in that. It's freedom to submitting to the right things. I've got a friend that um, works at a nursing home. And uh, she loves dealing with the residents there. Most of them are in their 80s and some in their 90s and even one that's in her hundreds. And um, she loves uh, working with the people there. And she was sitting in the dining hall one day and one of the men who she loves, Jack, uh, was listening, was sitting in the dining hall and just listening to this beautiful music they were playing in the dining hall. And he came over to my friend and he said, you know what? Um, this is so sad. No, nobody will dance with me here. And my friend said, uh, she didn't have the courage to tell him, well, most of the women are in wheelchairs and they, really can't dance with you, um, but she said, oh, Jack, I'll, I'll dance with you, and, he, and his eyes like lit up, his face lit up, he said, Well you really, and she said, yeah, I'll dance with you, and so uh, he stood up, and she said it was very awkward, because very quickly, she realized that he knew what he was doing, and she had no idea what she was doing, but they were playing this music, and they were dancing, and finally, he just stopped her, and said, wait, 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 just let me lead, and so he put his arm around her waist, and he put his hand in her hand, and he took her and he started to dance. And she said, it was the most beautiful thing that once I submitted to him, once I let him lead, it was a beautiful dance. It was a beautiful night. And, and uh, after the song was over, he uh, sat down. And he said, thank you so much. That meant so much to me. See, for us to truly submit, we have to let Jesus lead in that relationship. So, so the call is about a relationship, but it's also about being in the right place in the relationship. It's about understanding our place in the relationship. That's what makes all the difference. So here's the thing. And here's where, quite honestly, I've been struggling with putting this message together. You know, as a church, we often talk about making Jesus your personal savior, making Jesus the Lord of your life. But the truth is this, we can't make him Lord. We, he's not our personal puppet. We can't make Jesus be or do anything. He is Lord. We can only decide if we're going to submit to his lordship or not. Now, there's no doubt. As I read scripture, there's no doubt that there's this moment of submission That leads to our salvation there's in some point in our following jesus We make that decision to humble ourselves and to submit to his lordship to his leadership To trust his leadership in our life and that makes all the difference in our eternity And next week i'm looking forward to this We're going to talk about the three things that happen When you decide to submit your life to the lordship of jesus when we you decide to trust his leadership in your life But don't miss this. Okay There's a truth hidden in this account that we haven't talked about that we really need to see these two men that encounter Jesus, they're already following John the Baptist. And when Jesus makes this invitation, it's not his hope that they will follow him in addition to John the Baptist, all right? It's his hope that they will follow him instead of follow John. The truth is that Jesus sees this, that we are all following something. You and I We're all following something. Whether we call ourselves Christ followers or not, there is something that we're following. And for you, maybe it's your career. Maybe it's financial success or some particular job or position that you've been pursuing. Maybe it's a career with a certain company or in a certain industry, and you're following that. You're working hard for that. Maybe for you, it's a certain degree or a a diploma, uh, some some field of study that you want to be in. And for some of us, it's a hobby, it's a, uh, some pastime. It's something that we do. We work so that we can do this. You know, And the more money we earn, the more money we have to spend on our toys for our hobby. Or the more money we earn, the more time we can free up so that we can do our hobby. <laughs> for some of us, it's our kids. You may think you're driving your kids around everywhere, but maybe you're following them everywhere. Maybe you follow them uh, to the soccer game and to the hockey game and to the baseball game and to the speech tournament, and to the play, and to piano lessons, and you realize that you are following something that has you on the wrong path. Now, don't get me wrong. Kids are great. I love my kids. Um, They're important to me, but they're not more important than your walk with Jesus. Maybe for you, it's ministry. Maybe you get so caught up in serving. You give so much time to serving and giving that your personal relationship with God suffers, I've got a friend that is, um, had decided a few years ago to become an overseas missionary. And uh, he said that it was the most difficult part for him when he made that trip was not the culture shock of the new country, uh, it was not the work itself or the financial implications of that. But he said the most difficult thing was, he said, Steve, I left my church, I left my small group, I left all the places I served, and my relationship with God was tied up in those things. He said, when I got to this new place and I had to reinvent, my relationship with God, he said, that really made me realize how, how important that relationship is. And you know, whatever we're following, Jesus says, leave all that. I want you to follow me. Now, the cost of following Jesus is high. Make, make no mistake about that. When we start following, Jesus is going to mess with us. He's going to transform us. You know, Watching his interactions and following him is going to change the way we think. I mean, even if you've considered yourself a Christian for a long time, following Jesus may make you change the way you relate to people. You might change the way you treat your family. Uh, you may, people may look at you funny when you no longer do the things you used to do or now you do things you never used to do. But it's worth it. And I just want to tell you why. You know, why Jesus? Of all the things that we could follow, why follow Jesus? Think of all the leaders that we've known since Jesus' time. Think of all the kings and queens and presidents and judges and prophets and emperors. They've all come and gone. But Jesus stands alone as the one who's still here. 2,000 years later, he's still reigning. 2,000 years after his death, people are still talking about him every day. And so maybe you need to submit to his leadership today. You know, Maybe that's the decision you need to make. Maybe you're ready to make that decision to cross from death into life. But, but maybe you're here and you just need to make that first commitment. Like, I just want to start following. I, I just need to come and see. Here's what we're going to do. I've asked our prayer team to be available Uh, right now and even during this last set of worship. And we're going to make them available for you. So um, some people from our prayer team are going to be in these two corners away from the stage. And here's what I'm going to do. I just like you to close your eyes and bow your head right now. I'm going to pray and we're going to continue in a time of prayer, even as we go into worship. But at any time that you feel like you need to get up and pray with somebody about one of these things, I want you to feel free to do that during... Uh, this time or during even during the final worship set during those three songs if you want to pray with somebody there'll be people in both of these corners maybe you want to pray about that idea that that you don't feel jesus pursuing you and you want to know that pursuit you want to know that he's after you we've got some people that would love to pray with you about that maybe for you (laughs) that you've made it about the rules that your identity is in being a christian but you've never really known that true relationship with a real person that is Jesus Christ. And you want somebody to pray with you. You're desperate for that relationship. You just get on up and go on over to the corners, either now or during these songs. We'll have somebody that can pray with you there. Maybe for you, you're ready to make that step. You want to submit your life. You want to submit to his leadership, to his lordship in your life. I know that they would love to pray with you about that. We had somebody do that uh, first service this morning and we'd love to continue that trend. Um, God, we just we worship you for what you're doing, what you're doing in our hearts and in our church. We thank you for this truth that you sent Jesus to be not just a savior for us, to be, but to be an example for us, for us to follow him and to see how he lives and to see how he treats people and to see how he conducts his ministry. And God, we want to follow that. Lord, I pray for the people in this room right now that are stuck in their religion that want to know, first of all, that you're pursuing them. I pray that you would make that obvious to them, even this morning, that as they got up and went to pray with somebody, that that you would make it so obvious that they're after you, that they have no choice but to turn to you. God, I pray for those who are caught up in religion, but have never really known that relationship. They want to know you and know you better. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. And Lord, for the people who really are in that spot where They know what they need to do. They just need to submit to your lordship. They've just been hesitant about that. I pray for courage this morning, that you would give them the courage and the boldness to come forward and make that proclamation today. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for your son, Jesus.